Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. To do this without crying is very difficult for me, but God has been so good to us, so good to us. He is a faithful God, amen? Activation, we have made some incredible memories and witnessed amazing moments. And as we take time to look back at everything that God has done, our eyes remain fixed on the future he has prepared for us. We have not seen anything yet. Turn to the person next to you and say, baby, you haven't seen nothing yet. The Bible says what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, it hasn't even entered into my imagination yet, the things that God has prepared for me and for you. And I get excited about that because I've got a big imagination. I get excited because I've seen a lot of great things in my life, but to know that my future is bright, that God has something amazing for us, something that we have not seen yet blows my mind. Eight is the number of new beginnings. And as we take our step into God's plan for our lives, both as individuals and corporately together, there are eight things that I would like to give you this morning. This won't be a typical sermon. These are thoughts that I pinned down that I think reflect our church and what we need to know moving forward. The first thing is this, salvation is free. But everything else in life, you're going to have to work for. Salvation is free, but everything else you're going to have to work for. Now, listen, God will help you. God will give you the resources you need, but you will have to work for it. Our church will not accidentally reach our world. Our church has not accidentally accomplished what we have already accomplished. It will be because there are people who are passionate about the vision and are willing to work for it. I want to say that again. Our church will reach our world because there are people who are passionate about the vision and willing to work for it. I don't need experts. I need passionate people. I can do more with passionate people than I can do with people who are really good at doing what they do. Passion is key. Passion is important but we have to work for it. Turn to the person next to you and say, we've got to work for it. Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever one sows. That will he also reap. Whatever you sow, that will you reap. Are you following this line of thinking? You can never expect to reap what you do not sow into. Everything that we have seen and everything that we have accomplished over the past eight years is because there were people willing to sow. There were people willing to pray. There were people willing to serve. There were people willing to give. There were times that we would call a prayer meeting and it would just be me and Cameron and Randy and Gavin. But we would pray as if the place was packed full of people. 
because we were praying into the vision that God had prepared for us. You can never reap what you're not sowing into. If we want to reach our world, we've got to sow into reaching our world through the way that we pray, through the way that we reach out, through the way that we serve, and through the way that we give. As we move forward, and I want you to hear what I'm saying, this is a moving forward moment. The past, although I celebrate it, the past is gone and my eyes are absolutely fixed on the future. And as we move forward, we need more people who are willing to pray, serve, and give. If your life has been called to this church, pray for this church, serve in this church, give in this church, because that's how we reach more people. This is not a one-man show. This is not about me performing for people. This is about a body, a family of believers coming together and everyone doing their part and every part matters. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Every single part matters, even the parts that you don't see. The times when somebody comes and fixes the front door because it's jammed and you can't get into it. You know, that would be a terrible Sunday morning if the door was jammed and nobody could come in. Doesn't matter how good my sermon is. If you can't come in to hear it, it doesn't matter. And there are people continuously doing little things that you do not see that make a huge impact. And they really, really touch my heart and my life. People who clean, people who serve, people who get out there and weed whack, and people who have bush hogged the fields. All those things you don't see it during the week, but that's what makes us who we are. And it's our way of saying we care about this community and we want to put our best foot forward. The second thing I want to say to you is this, and I've learned this to be true through my life. Little is much when God is in it. Turn to the person next to you and say, little is much when God is in it. If you think about the story of the five loaves of bread and the two fish, in the natural way of thinking, there is no way that can feed a multitude. But once it touches the hands of Jesus and he blesses it, he causes it to multiply and to increase. So don't look at your lack. Look at what you already have. Place it in the hands of Jesus and watch what he will do. We started this church with a small handful of people. There were 15 people, actually, 15 adults that we started this church with, which would include me, Randy, and our wives. So if you take that away, because we, we kind of had to be there, there weren't that many people. And it started with that small group of people on a Sunday morning in a building that did not have power yet. And I told them, I'll feed you some chicken biscuits if you'll come. And they came and I bean boozled them into serving. Because as soon as they came to the door, I gave them a biscuit. And then afterwards I said, here's your blue shirt, here's your orange shirt. The first Sunday and the third Sunday we wear orange. The second Sunday and the fourth Sunday we wear blue. Oh, by the way, you're the media person, you're the children's person, you're the greeter, you're the person that says, you see what I'm saying? It started off little, but I knew we only had two weeks to, to launch our first actual Sunday service and when people came because I knew there was going to be a lot of friends and family to come check us out I wanted to look like we knew what we were doing even if we didn't really know what we were doing but God has blessed that he's taken that small beginning and he's turned it into something far greater than we actually even see in this moment see it's not just about 
the people you see here at 9.30. It's not just about the people who will fill the church at our 11 o'clock service. It's also the people who have been affected around the world through our ministry and our giving. It's the people who are watching right now, not just here in Georgia, all over the United States, even across the world, that are watching and tuning in to what God is doing here. And it started with a small handful of people and some chicken biscuits. What if we would have walked in that morning and said, you know what, this isn't enough. Most churches want to launch with at least 200 people and a large bank account. We started with 15 people and some chicken biscuits. What can we do moving forward if you say I'll be a person with or without a chicken biscuit? Think about that. Jesus took 12 men, one of them ended up denying him. So there was 11 left that shook the world. What can we do if we will be passionate about the vision and say, you know what, this is my church. I don't like when people come up to me and say, Arm, your church is so good or y'all's worship is so great when you've been attending for six years. It's no longer y'all's worship and y'all's church. It's our church and our worship take ownership take responsibility this is your place this is what god has placed in your hand it's not about me i could step out and god can replace me and his work will continue are you hearing what i'm saying it's not about me it's about us working together and little is much when god is in it big vision always starts with small beginnings number three I like this one. You only, get, you only get juice from fruit that has been squeezed. We don't like pressure. We don't like pain. But the only way to get juice from a fruit is to squeeze that bad boy. And in life, when life and all the things around it start squeezing you, you've got to know that God is producing some juice through you. I like what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience. We like those moments. But that's not what determines who you are or what you're all about. But where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Watch what the Bible says in James, the first chapter, verse 2. The Bible says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet. You are going to meet trials. It's not an if, it is when you meet them. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. It's going to be a, a variety pack. For you know, or actually you should know, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. See, pressure produces and what I have learned through life is although I don't like pressure and I don't like pain, I can have joy in the midst of it because I know that God is allowing a squeezing to produce something in me. And anytime the enemy gets a hold of my life and thinks he's going to squeeze me to death, all he is doing is producing more of what God has placed inside of me. And know this, anytime you go through a season of pressure, you can rejoice because you're about to come out into some victory. Pressure always happens before victory. You will always want to give up before you accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. Always. 
And anytime you're about to step into what is next, there will be pressure. We're stepping into a new beginning. And the past two weeks, I have experienced a lot of pressure. But I can rejoice in it because I know God is about to do something amazing. Not just in my life, but in the life of this church. Pressure produces. Pressure produces. It's like a staircase. If you can kind of visualize a staircase in your mind... Every time you step up, there's effort released. But once you hit the landing, it's kind of like a relaxation station. But the only way you're going to get to the top of that staircase is to leave that relaxation station and take the next step. Are you following what I'm saying? That's, really a, that's a really good example of how life is. There's going to be moments where you've got to push and you've got to exert to get to the next level. And there will be a time where, hey, you'll hit some momentum. There will be some smooth settling. But if you're going to go further, you're going to have to hit the next step. The other night I decided that I was going to walk from my house to Randy's house, which I thought was a mile walk. Ended up being a little over a mile. And uh, I've not done a mile in a long time. And about halfway through, I, I did it in flip-flops too, by the way. I wasn't like in my jogging gear. Halfway through, my feet and ankles are killing me. My shins are burning. And I think, I'm not going to make it. Like, here lays, this is where I, this is where I die. <laughs> like, I can't turn back because I've already gone halfway. So, like, and it's uphill. It's uphill. But you know what? I determined in my mind, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to go through the pressure. And waiting on the other side was Wagyu beef. <laughs> my cousin brought Wagyu beef over to Randy's house. If you've never had Wagyu beef, you are missing out on life. It is a pleasure. Has anybody in here ever had Wagyu beef? Yeah. I will never have Wagyu beef unless my cousin supplies it because it's super expensive, but it was amazing. It was, what I'm trying to say is it was worth the effort. The pain went away as the meat melted in my mouth. <laughs> I, didn't, I did not need A1. I did not need Heinz 57. All I needed was that Wagyu melting in my mouth. No, I did not walk back. My wife came and picked me up. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. No, shame on you, right? Fool me once, it's all my fault. I'm the one that decided I'd walk. So, number four. God specializes in making the impossible possible. God specializes. You need to know this in your life because you're going to hit portions and pockets where you go, this is difficult. I don't know if I can make it through. This seems impossible. God specializes in those moments of taking what seems to be impossible to you and making it possible. When we were called to start this church, we had no money, we had no equipment, and we had no people. Let me say that again. We had no money, we had no equipment, and we had no people. My father said, son, I want you to go to start a church. I said, what's our budget? And he did this. But God has been faithful from that moment. From the moment he said, I want you to start a church, I left that lunch and started driving around and looking for a property that I didn't know how we were going to pay for. That's how, that's how faith works. My dad always said, if God tells you he's going to give you a car, build a garage. 
Don't wait for the car to show up before you build the garage. Build the garage because if God said it, the car's coming. As soon as God spoke through my father for us to plant a church, I did not consider the finances. I did not consider what we did or did not have. I considered the fact that I need to go out and find a piece of property. And seven months later, listen to this, seven months from that lunch to October the 13th, we had our first service in a fully furnished building with equipment, with people, with a band, and it was all paid for. God specializes in doing the impossible. But see, I didn't know, I didn't know that I should look at this situation as impossible. I, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind that I should go, how are we going to do this? I just believe if God said it, he will do it. And God will always supply for whatever he's called you to. If he, hear what I'm saying. If he has called you to something, he will supply for you in the middle of it. Even if he has to bring bread from a raven or water from a rock, he will make a way where there seems to be no way. And so what we should look at is every obstacle is an opportunity to see God move in a greater way. I've told you this story before, but when we started making plans to expand on this property, the county said, you can't do it. They told me we can never build another building on this property because of the septic system and because of the ground here. And at first I was like, well, what are we going to do? But something rose up inside of me and I took my little oil and I went out on that hill where we're now paving a new parking lot and I anointed the ground and I said, God, you've called us to this place and I'm asking that you would make this land fruitful. And guess what? He made it fruitful. He made it fruitful and now we are building and now we are expanding on the property that they said there is no way. What if I would have just said, well, this is it, folks. This is it. Look around, this is it. This all can't do that. Obstacles are opportunities. Turn to the person next to you and say, obstacles are opportunities. Do you have an obstacle in your life right now? That's an opportunity to see God do a miracle. You got pressure in your life right now? That's an opportunity to see some breakthrough. Number five is this. You have to see it before you can achieve it. You have to see it before you can achieve it. And when I say see it, I'm not talking about seeing it with your natural eyes. I'm talking about vision. Vision is the ability to see from God's vantage point. It goes beyond your natural sight. It is seeing what God has already prepared for you. And unless you see it, you can never achieve it. Galatians 6, 7 again says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever one sows, that will he also reap. If I don't know what I want to grow, how will I know what to sow? Any farmers in here? If you don't know what you're wanting to grow, you'll have no idea what you're wanting to sow, and you'll just go out there and scatter a bunch of seed. And some things may pop up, and some things may not. We waste a lot of time in life, and we, exp we expend a lot of effort in life not making a lot of difference because we don't have a vision for where we're going. So we're just scattering, 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 doing a lot but not accomplishing much. But there's two things about this church that I think really mark us as a church. One is this, we have incredible faith. We will not limit God. We will not limit God. And two, we've got an incredible vision. 
a vision so big that it would scare us if there wasn't a God big enough to help us. We've always been about vision. We've always been about seeing the more and seeing the next because if you don't see more for your life, you'll stay where you are. Where there is no vision, the Bible says, people cast off restraint. Other translation says they perish. What that means is you'll die where you are because you have no vision for more. People that know me, as soon as we started talking about this church, know I started counting ceiling tiles in every building that I went into. It would drive Randy crazy because he'd see me. And they wanted to know what I'm doing. What I'm doing is a ceiling tile is either a two by four or a two by two. And when I count the ceiling tiles, I know the size of the room. And you're going, why would you need to know the size of the room? Because I was about to move into 2,600 square feet and I wanted to know what it was gonna feel like. I wanted to know how big that room was gonna be. I wanted to know how we could fit things in. I got a little pad CAD program on my iPad and I started drawing and designing the building. Our first building is what I designed. I designed every room and all the layout for that building. But I saw it before I ever stepped into it. Day one, as we're having service, I'm thinking, okay, we're probably going to have to get this unit behind us because our church is going to be so big and it's going to be cool to have a chainsaw come through the door to announce, hey, we're breaking down this wall. But I was always thinking about more. I was always searching for this property before I knew this property existed. Well, pastor, why would you do that? You had a five-year lease on the other. Because I believe that God would cause us to outgrow that before five years. And he did. And he did. Not only did he cause us to outgrow it, but he blessed us in a way to where we could purchase this and continue making the payments on that for another church to move in. Everything that we had, our sound system, our lighting, the nice theater seats that we had in there, our stage, everything remained there for another church to come in. And they had church on our dime. There are still, this is the third church after us. So there's been four churches. We were the first. There's been three churches after us to meet in that building. Think about that. My vision is incredible. I see so much for this church. If you think about this church as a seed, an orange seed, I'm not just looking at that seed in my hand. And I'm not just seeing the orange it can produce. I'm not just seeing the tree that can come from that one seed. I am seeing the orchard that will grow. Are you hear what I'm saying? I see the orchard that will grow. That's how far in the future my vision is from where we are now. I already see the things that God wants us to accomplish. Do I have all the details? No. Do I know all the house? No. But what I will do is be faithful to sow where I am. Number six. Before I say this one, because this one's going to blow you away. If you have been with us since day one of our church, would you just stand up really quickly? I want to honor you. Day one. One, two, three, four. So that's four of the 15 right there. Now, if you stay, stay seat standing, if you have been with us since Kennesaw, would you stand up? Can we just take a moment to thank these people? 
Thank you so much. We are here because of you. So now to number six. Are you ready for this one? Because I thought long and hard about this one. Here it is. Be like Donna and Ron. (laughs) That's Donna Purdue. That's her handsome husband, Ron Purdue. And when I thought about them this morning, I thought about the difference that they have made for this church. For years, we met in Kennesaw, Georgia, and if a guest showed up, it was a big day. Like, people were like, man, your church is so friendly. Well, it's because we haven't seen a guest in a while. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, the only thing that made our Christmas services big was the fact that my wife's family is really big and Randy's wife's family really big, and they would come to our Christmas Eve service. Other than that, man, like, we didn't have a lot of people, and we had very few guests. Other than, the, like, when we first started, the people that we did have came because Cameron was working in the movie theater, and he was like a, a missionary machine. He's, like, evangelizing the entire movie theater. And so we had all these kids from NCG that were coming to our church. But as soon as Donna and Ron came to our church building in Kennesaw, He told me, he said, I felt the presence of God here on this property. And they left that service and they started telling their friends and people that they knew, you need to come check out Activation Church. They almost doubled our church in one week because of the people that they invited. Many of the people who are in this room today are here because of Donna and Ron and their connections. How many of you, just by a show of hands, how many of you knew Donna and Ron before you knew about Activation Church? Just by a show of hands. Raise them high, raise them high, raise them high, raise them high. See that? And there will be more in the second service. There's more standing out in the foyer now. And everything that we have done, I thought all the amazing VBSs that we've done, it's because they invited some people. Think about that. The children's department that we have now is because they invited people. A lot of the events that we're able to do now and the way we do them is because they invited people. Be like Donna and Ron. If they can make that big of an impact just by inviting the people they know, what can we do if we start inviting the people that we know? You can never reap from what you will not sow into. You want God to grow the church? Start inviting people to come to the church. Start telling them about what's going on here. Be excited. Let me tell you something. That's what builds a congregation is excitement and passion. It's it's not preaching. It's not the worship. It is excitement and passion. My great-grandfather built one of the largest churches in his denomination at the time, and what he would say on those radio broadcasts is he would say, come see the happy hundreds. And guess what? The happy hundreds would show up to see the happy hundreds. He was excited. He was passionate. Everything he did was the best. His car was the best. His clothes were the best. Everything, he was just passionate about life. He was passionate about his church. And that passion caught on to the people around him. Be like Don and Ron. Number seven, be excellent. Be excellent. Doesn't mean be perfect, but be excellent. That's one of our core values here at the church is anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And that that was our mindset from the beginning. 
That's why I put everybody in shirts at the very beginning because I wanted to look like we knew what we were doing when people showed up. That's why we take time during the week to make sure that every chair is perfectly in alignment. They used to laugh at me because I would get out here with a tape measure during the week and I would measure the distance between chairs and aisles and make sure that they were perfectly straight. I've done it so much now that I no longer need a tape measure. I can guess to make exact distance. But why would you do that, Pastor? It doesn't really matter. It matters to me. It matters to me because this is God's work. Watch what the Bible says in Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do. Somebody say whatever. Straighten chairs. You clean the toilets. You work on the greeting team. You serve on the parking lot team that we do not have yet, but that we're going to need before we open that building because we're going to have multiple, multiple parking lots. See, that's, that's vision. I'm already seeing the team that we don't have that we're going to need. You serve in the children's department. You work on the media team. You, whatever. You serve in the worship team. Whatever you do. Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. I'm working and serving as if I'm doing it for God. I'm straightening a chair as if Jesus Christ himself is going to come and sit in that chair. Are you following this? So everything that we do here should be done with a spirit of excellence. Again, it's not being perfect. Excellence is relative to how excellent you can be. If there's a one out of a 10, be a 10 every time whatever your 10 is. Every team here at this church, as we move forward, let's do it with excellence. Let's do it with excitement. Let's do it with passion. Number eight, never give up. This is so important. Never give up. We've already looked at Galatians 6, 7. Whatever you sow, that is what you're going to reap. But two verses down in Galatians 6, 9, the Bible says this, let us not grow weary. Let us not, somebody say not, not, grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. In due season, there is a season and a time for what you have planted to spring up. Don't get frustrated in the process. The past eight years, we've had many, many processes that we've had to walk through. And things did not always look the way I thought it should look. Things did not always happen when I thought they should happen. But they have happened. Now, it just happened in its season. Many of us miss out on the promises of God because we walk away before the harvest comes. This is important. Many of us walk away before we see the fulfillment of what God is wanting to do in our lives. It happens in your personal life and it will happen in ministry. You'll get planted in a church. You'll say, this is where I'm called. You'll start serving. And when things don't work out the way you want them to or how you wanted them to or when you wanted them to, you walk away and you miss what God wanted to do. You leave your harvest in the field. Don't get weary in well-doing. There's going to be pressure. There's going to be attacks. There's going to be moments that you feel like giving up but you can never give up. 
Justin, you're starting something new in your personal life. It's not going to be easy all the time. There are going to be moments that you're going to want to give up. But if you want to make it to the other side, you can never give up. If you're called to do something, you can never give up. You've got to be tenacious. You've got to hold on and never let go. Listen, church, we are going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We are going to reach our world. We are going to be the light in this city and beyond. But it's going to happen because we're passionate. It's going to happen because we're excited. It's going to happen because we're working for it. And it's going to happen because we're not going to give up. You know the moment that we get to say, okay, this is done? There's two, two options here. Jesus walks through that door in physical form and says, okay, it's time to move on. I will need a Gideon wet fleece, dry fleece moment for me to walk away from this, okay? Two, we get to see Jesus face to face in heaven. That's when we get to give up on what he's called us to do. Do you know what we can accomplish if we just had a few more people to say, I'm going to be passionate about this. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do whatever it takes. That may mean I'm doing something that I'm not exactly called to do forever, but I'm going to do it now because there's a need there now. Sometimes people will leave a church because it doesn't meet their need. And what they're saying is, I want to go somewhere that's already got it together. And that's wonderful and great. But if you're pioneering something, there's always going to be something that needs to be done. It may be something that you don't, it's not there yet. And you step in and go, you know what? I'm going to be a part of making this happen. Every team that we have at this church should be fully furnished. And if there's not a team that we do need, then we need people to step up and say, you know what? I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to be a part of that. I'm going to help out and do that. I'm going to pioneer. There's something exciting about that. If you've ever pioneered anything, it's challenging, but it's so rewarding. I was telling a friend of mine who pastors a fairly large church one day, I said, you know what? I would not step away from what I am doing now to go to a church that's already established. Even if they said, we'll pay you more money, there's thousands of people there, that doesn't do anything for me. That's not what touches my heart. That's not what moves me. What moves me is to be a part of something from the beginning and to see it through. That's what I like. That's what motivates me. And that's why challenges are sometimes welcomed. Because it just, it's just adding to the story so that when we stand here and celebrate our 16-year anniversary, I can say, remember this challenge? Remember this? Now look where we are. I promise you, it will not always be the way it is now. I tried to tell people that in Kennesaw. It will not always be the way it is now. It will not always just be four of us sitting on this movable stage praying about our church and our community. It won't always be what it is now. So we've got we've to enjoy the moment. We've got to celebrate the moment but we've got to keep our eyes fixed on what it is going to be, which is going to be a world-changing church, a place that reaches 
far beyond these four walls, far beyond the borders of Dallas, Georgia. Stay with me long enough and you'll see it happen. Stay with me long enough and you'll see it happen. I've seen God do it before. And if I've already seen it, and he says I'm going to do far more than you've already seen, see what that does to my expectation level? Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being here today. Whether you've been here for eight years or whether you've been here for, well, it's been longer than eight minutes now. Thank you. I am honored to serve with you. I am honored to be your pastor. I love you. I care for you. And together we are going to do great things. Would you stand with me? If you're watching online right now, I want to pray for you and ask that God would move in your heart and your life. No matter what your need is, God, we ask that you would touch them. We ask that you would bring help to them. Lord, we ask that you would supply every need. In Jesus' name, amen.